Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage. I'm here with my co-host, Coach Dean Manchie from Kimberly. Coach, how are we doing over there? Doing really good, real cold, and a little disappointed with that Green Bay Packer loss. But uh, we got an awesome guest on today, so super excited. You know, I mean, before we get to, to our guests here, what a, what a weekend, though, of, of pro football. I mean, the divisional playoff rounds really, you know, really seem to be really high intent with, with people watching and, and things like that. And they, they really seem to never disappoint, I don't think. You know, it's it, the way the NFL has done it, where they do, you know, middle of the afternoon and then, and then evening on Saturday and then kind of early afternoon, middle afternoon on Sunday. And what, I mean, four incredible games. I mean, capped off by that Bills Chiefs game. I mean, geez, I mean, that, if, if they would have changed, if they'd have a different overtime rule where you get the ball like in college, that we'd probably still be watching that game. I mean, ain't, ain't nobody stopping those two. You know, it's just amazing what they can do, like 13 seconds left in that Chiefs Bills game and how quickly they can score and that game can change. And, you know, same thing with, with the UFC and martial arts and a lot of stuff can happen in a very short time frame. So you're the coach in that game. You're the Bills coach. You squib kick or you, or you kick it deep? I definitely squib it because that's yeah. going to take some time off of the clock. And the more time you can give them incredible quarterbacks, you can see what can happen. But it's easy to beat armchair quarterback. Yeah, I came up with a pretty good defensive scheme. I would have just dropped all 11 guys. I wouldn't even rush anybody at Mahomes. I would have just tried to throw them off. But, man, those guys were awesome. It was so much fun to watch. But we got to stay on task here, coach. We have our first MMA slash UFC fighter on. Uh, we're extremely excited because he's a Wisconsin guy from a scene. We have Gerald Mershot on. Gerald, you over there? Yeah, I'm here. It's good to talk with you, Brian and Dean. Good to see you guys. Awesome. And, and so Gerald uh, does work out with a guy we've had on our podcast, Matt Gifford, before. But uh, Gerald, if you could toss and and you go by GM three too, is that correct? I, I think I heard that in an interview. I've been called that before, yeah. <laughs> um, so if you could tell our listeners a little bit about your background, kind of how you got into uh, mixed martial arts and, and things like that, so uh, we can get this bad boy rolling, we'd uh, like to turn it over to you. So let us know all about yourself. All right. So uh, like you said, I grew up in Racine, Wisconsin. Um, Really didn't have much of a sports background when I was in school. Uh, you know, maybe peewee years, I played a little football. My dad was a, was a peewee coach for a little bit when I was younger there. Um, you know, played soccer a little bit, played a little bit of, you know, did a little bit of everything, a little bit of baseball. But then high school came around. I went to a, a charter school called Walden and Racine, and it was a little more geared towards uh, the arts. So I spent my high school career pretty much just in like band and jazz band. Like that was my thing before I ever started fighting, I was going to be a music teacher. And for uh, at least, you know, my freshman year of college, I went to Parkside and I had a small, like little scholarship to go into music education. Um, the physicality came from while I was at Walt, you know, six through sixth grade on, uh, I was living on a horse farm. So I get a lot of good, you know, good old fashioned hard work and uh, physicality that way. And um, that was one, you know, my school didn't have traditional sports teams. We would have had to been busted somewhere. 
and, I, and it was just something that I didn't have the opportunity to do when I was younger. So I always enjoyed sports and that physical outlet. And then, you know, by the time I got to college, I had seen some fights, you know, I thought I was tough, found out I wasn't that tough really quick after getting into it. But it was one of those things where I was like, hey, I'm young now. I can always go back to school, but let me try this thing while I'm out of the house. My parents can't stop me. And uh, that's kind of what got me into MMA. That's interesting. Hey, that's that's yeah, interesting. Sorry, Dino, but like going from music to to fighting. That's that. I mean, that's kind of a that's a unique path to get in there. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's I mean, and the other thing, too, that's that's pretty telltale and dean and i have probably seen this too is like kids that grow up working on a farm or some type of labor like that they're typically the toughest kids and the strongest kids we deal with right Dino? absolutely there's no doubt about it so gerald you know what is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you ever made to help you in your sport of mma um honestly and this isn't just blowing smoke up his dress but probably uh working out with matt gifford he's over at ethic now he's got his own place but just awesome investing in strength and conditioning uh you know in a sport where we do have a lot of guys cross over from different athletic backgrounds so they've already been introduced to that you know how you know you lift for your sport but there's still a lot of guys that come from the more old school mindset they'll kind of just do their own thing or they have like their old school boxing lifts and workouts that they do um, but really getting with somebody that knows what they're doing that can kind of look at the sport that I do and look at my body specifically, you know, what uh, my advantages are, my disadvantages are, and not just get me like, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, but really just keep me healthy, like keep my body put together. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of the old uh, adage that there's no such thing as overtraining, there's only under recovering. And, you know, it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but just by doing more work in that strength and conditioning aspect, it will help you recover a lot better and gives you, you know, what's helped me the most in my career is longevity. You know, it takes a lot uh, for, to go into a cage and just take the the physical abuse. You know what I mean? It's not like you get breaks in there. Uh, you know, it's that five minute, you get three, five minute rounds, unless you're in a title fight for that whole five minutes, you know, you're basically in a car crash <laughs> the whole time, depending on what's going on. So that, you know, far and beyond it physically is, one of the best investments I've made. So, so when you guys train now and gifts, gifts kind of been, you know, he's known as like a speed guy, right? Mm -hmm. You know, speed mafia and all that other stuff. Does he sprint you guys and, and stuff like that? I mean, he train. I mean, you guys train, you know, like high level athletes, you know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. Oh yeah. No, we definitely get our sprint work in and it's something <laughs> that, you know, it's definitely helped me a lot because if you read any articles written about me, I'm as slow as the day is long, man. I've, I've never, if there's anything, people will never call me as fast. I don't know if it's justified or not, but, uh, you know, I'm definitely not running any uh, sub 540s in the near future, but it is a really, a really good, important tool. And I think, you know, just knowing GIF, having gone through the training myself, uh, you know, I had already trained and fought for almost a decade before I got together with him. And uh, just seeing what sprinting can do for you and just having another way to like, get that neurological physiological output at maximum without putting myself in harm's way, which is generally what I would be doing uh, is an invaluable tool to have. And something that really, you know, kind of help, not just helps the cardio, but helps you get used to exploding in a way that a doesn't put a ton of stress on your body from like, you know, lifting weights or anything like that. And B I can do it without 
getting hit in the face, <laughs> which is really important. <laughs> That's always the key, yeah. I suppose, right? And yeah. you know, with Giff, Giff is such a great guy. I mean, he just, I mean, we can't, I can't say enough about him. I mean, I just love him to death, you know? Um, so kind of moving forward, you know, there, there's gotta be times right through preparation and stuff like that, where you feel a little overwhelmed, maybe preparing for a fight um, or even you get a little unfocused, right? Cause it's a really high level focus type, you know, profession. Um or even just temporary, like, what do you, what do you have some, you have some tips for our listeners, like how to get like refocused um, without taking, you know, multiple day, you know, a lot of times, you know, if people say, Hey, you have an, everybody has a bad day. Everybody has a day where they're undisciplined stuff like that, but you never want to stack them on top of each other. And, you know, for the profession that you're in, I mean, that's very important because you have weight management and so many other things. What are some tips for our listeners? Maybe, if you get overwhelmed with some of that stuff or, or, or how do you get refocused? Uh, you know, I would say the biggest thing, and this is probably going to be the answer to a lot of your guys' questions, but you know, one thing that's rang true for me in my career, and it's just a simple fact of life is discipline and consistency will take you a long way. So, you know, if you've been doing this for long enough, any sport, really, if you just show up every day, there's going to be days, like you said, you don't feel good. Uh, you're not focused. You're not there mentally but you'll learn how to work through that because you've showed up, you know, X amount of times. It's just like getting past, you know, competition jitters or anything else. The more competition you have, the easier it is to learn how to get over those humps because it's not going to happen in one day. You know, I could tell you there's positive affirmations you can give to yourself. You know, there's different routines you can have to take comfort in, but really when you all boil it down, it's, you know, showing up every day and just practicing being focused and then like making you know, my base, raising my baseline. If I can raise my baseline, like, you know, I can zone in for maybe at first it's like, okay, I'm having trouble understanding something, but I can zone in for a quarter of practice. And then, you know, the next week I'm going to try and zone in really, really articulately for half a practice. And then I get to the point where my baseline is like, I can be mentally there even on a quote unquote off day. We're good. So a perfect example, my last fight, uh, you guys probably still go watch it on the ESPN plus app. I, you know, from just like a standpoint of physical readiness and everything else, I was all there, but I just felt run down, dog tired, legs are heavy, arms are heavy. And, you know, there's, you get jitters every time before you fight in the back room. And generally, you know, you get out there like any competition, you know, you're feeling the nerves, but then once you get out there, boom, it's game time. It kind of all goes away. Well, I get in the cage, announce me, announce my opponent. We go out, we lock up right away. And I was like, Oh, I'm still not feeling like it's going to be one of the, <laughs> but because I've been fighting and training for 15 years, I've had to work through that before. So even on my off days, I could still suck it up and get the job done uh, and come out victorious. You know, that's really what's going to, what you're going to fall back on is like your body of work. And, you know, when you can win on your, your worst days, that's, that's where you really find out where you stand. Hey, Gerald, uh, every athlete's going to fail at one time. And, you know, as being a high school teacher and a strength and conditioning coach at the high school level, a lot of times, you know, something negative comes up. They, you know, they have a bad, for example, let's use wrestling. They, they, they lose and all of a sudden they want to take the path of least resistance and quit. They just want to, hey, this is too tough, you know, and they, they don't know how to deal with that failure that they had. How is a failure that you had set you up for later success? Because we know 
we can take advantage of that and use that as a huge positive as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, fail early, fail often is probably one of the most valuable life lessons you can have. And, uh, you know, honestly, being able to work through that, it's, you know, you got to take your medicine. It's going to sting at first. But if you can get over that hump and you can take those losses and, you know, look at them for what they are. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that you won't be successful in the future. You just look at it as objectively as you possibly can. You know, like uh, I know the old coach from Alabama, he always had the 24-hour thing. You can hold on to it for 24 hours after that. You let it go your own. Oh, and I like that. And I'd say after that 24 hours, you know, look at it as clinically as possible. Was I in shape enough? Was my technique right? Had I been slacking off? in training was i in training enough you know just go down the list at some point you're going to find what it is it could be a mental thing it could be a diet thing uh but these are all things we can fix right you know there's nothing outside of our control even if you're like well the other guy was real fast and you know i couldn't keep up with him well you can train to be faster or you can find a different path to victory and focus on that strength you know it's not always you're not always going to have all the advantages and uh you know i got a a big, big record for a guy in the UFC. You know, a lot of people like, um, they yeah. like the up and coming prospects, especially they want to sign the guys that are five and oh, seven and oh, 10 and oh. Everybody wants to see a guy go undefeated to challenge for the belt. I got a lot of wins, but I got a lot of losses too. And that's because when I started fighting, I started straight off as a pro. I didn't have any warm up fights, I didn't have any amateur fights. And as I told you guys, I didn't really have any actual sports experience to speak of. So I had to learn on the fly when it really mattered. And uh, let me tell you, if, you know, if they just don't give up, you'll figure it out. If you want it that bad, don't give up. I've, I've had times when I've gone on a seven fight win streak, you know, feel like I would have, could have, should have been in the UFC then. And then all of a sudden, you know, I hit another wall, another hump I got to get over. And if, you know, I would have gave up, that's where I would have ended. But you know, if you truly want to do something and you're really passionate about it, you're just going to keep doing it. You got to brush it off, move forward and, you know, get at least get as far as you can. It might be not be as far as the next guy, but if you try your best, you're going to be a better person for it at the end of the day. I think that is a fantastic message for our parents that listen to our podcast to hear for their younger athletes, you know, because I see this all the time. I'm sure Dean sees it at high school. I'm sure you see it and different things that you deal with too, Gerald, is that the first thing parents want to do with their 10 year old when they lose is blame the coach, you know, you know what I mean? It's always somebody else's fault why their son went 0 for four in the baseball game or made an error or why their team, no, like getting beat and losing at younger ages. Okay. When, you know, when you're playing as hard as you can, you know, you always encourage that, but like getting beat is, is part of the, the process and adversity, facing adversity at that age. So when games, you know, really matter when they're in high school and, you know, you're playing in a regional final or something like that, that's when all that comes forward. And you understand how to face adversity in a game, in a fight, things like that. We see so many times parent, you know, even if a kid gets a C in the classroom, it's a teacher's fault. You know, everybody wants to blame, complain and defend, and they don't, you know, empower their kids to be like, like, like you said, there's always something you probably could have done better, you know? Right. And, and we talk about it. We talk about it at sports advantage. Like everybody wants to point fingers. We talk about pointing with a thumb, you know, yeah. what, what could you do better? Right. Absolutely. And I, uh, 
something to add to that. I, for uh, a little over a year, maybe two years, I, well, I've helped coach in a lot of different places. I'm in a unique place right now where I'm a fighter, but I'm also a coach at the gym I train at. But um, as far as the youth program goes, I did, I helped uh, Max Askren coach for a while at one of the AWA academies. Uh, and I'll be opening up my own jujitsu school soon and I'll have a kid's class. So I'll get to deal with this myself in the near future. But, uh, you know, I had been to wrestling tournaments before. And if you want to see the apex of overly excited parents, and like, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a parent listening to this podcast, I don't care what sport it is. The best two things you could do, drop them off at practice and just leave and let them figure it out themselves. And when you go to a competition, especially these young kids in wrestling, I can't say this enough. Let them go on the mat. Let them be with their coach. Open the bleachers. Watch. If you want to cheer, you can cheer. But you don't need to coach them. You don't need to tell them what to do. You do not need to get excited. And you do not need to act like this is life or death in the D1 finals, you know, on ESPN. They need to learn how to lose. And they need to learn how to compete. And most of all, give them agency to figure it out themselves. Because now they're association with the sport and competition is you screaming at them and they don't understand why they're five, six years old. They just came to have fun. Let them go have fun. Yeah. They probably won't even be wrestling in a couple of years anyway. And if they do, you are certainly helping their progress in whatever sport it is. So yeah. Let just leave them there. Let them go. They do their thing. You give them a pat on the back when they win, you give them a pat on the back and they lose and don't worry. You'll get them next time. That's all you got to do. Put your arm around them. Tell them you love watching them wrestle. And that's, that was, that saved my relationship with, with my middle son, because I was a, I was a coach, you know? And so being a dad coach, you, you run into that, you know, you get in the car and it's just like, you know, and you know, that, that was probably the best thing I ever learned as, as a dad is to just put my arm around my kids, man. I love watching you guys play, you know, as even as pissed off as I was, if they played bad, you just gotta be like, you know, so anyways, preparing for a fight like this, this, this question I'm, like jacked up to hear about, right? Um, there's so much physical preparation that goes into it, but there's got to be like so much mental, you know, that goes into it. Um, like, what's it like to train for a fight? You got like your body weight you have to do, but you have to manage stress. You know, you probably got sparring. You know, yeah. I, I, want, I can't wait to hear this. This is going to be awesome. Brian, <laughs> I'm picturing the Rocky movies right now. Oh, I mean, yeah. those are classics. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it seems so normal to me now, but man, let me tell you something. If you want to, you know, really see if you're about that life or not getting ready for any competition, any sports competition where weight is also a factor in there, because now you're going to be at your, your maximum athletic output and, you know, working into the least calories possible while trying to be healthy and increase your output somewhat and be like mentally clear and all this other stuff. It's uh, it's a toll, man. And you know, that you see a lot of guys like going up weight classes because, you know, at a certain point in time, cutting weight is more a young man's game. Some guys genetically are more disposition. They give up weight really easy and get it back on. Um, I'm not one of those guys. So I'm like not the hugest middleweight, but uh, you know, I, I feel better. I feel healthier at middleweight and it's uh it can be a grind, but it's a, a, a very fine balance. Um, you know, we don't have seasons, so we got to kind of stay ready ish all the time, which is a very unique thing because I can get a call for a short, short notice fight 
and not be as quote unquote in shape, depending on, you know, how soon after a fight it was. And I might have to turn down an opportunity that could be life-changing, you know, and I got to factor that into everything else going on in my life. So um, that's where, like, like I said, consistency and discipline. If I've built this body of work, I want to build off that body of work. I don't want to take a bunch of time off and now I got to start from the ground up again because that's how guys get hurt. Guys miss out on fights. They take short notice fights and they just focus on cutting weight and then they end up losing because they're, you know, their skills or their mindset isn't there. Uh, you know, it's, you got to be more disciplined about checking all your boxes because, you know, uh, say you play football, for example, you should be on your diet just as strict, you know, as I am getting ready for competitions. The difference is if no one's checking your weight, you know what you're taking in. You're like, oh, I'll just have a little bit. I'm kind of light right now. Well, having a few more calories because you're light doesn't mean eat, you know, a couple Snickers bars. You should be getting a steak or something like that. So, uh, but like the higher level guys, they do stuff like that. But I have to worry about that because if I step on the scale and it doesn't say what it's supposed to say, I either A, get docked pay or B, worst case scenario, I don't get to fight at all. So it's, you know, I'm strength and conditioning three times a week. Uh, I'm training in the gym six times a week. Sunday is my rest day. Usually if it's a nice route, maybe it's active recovery, you know, something as simple as walking. Uh, but I'm training, you know, about two hour sessions, strength and conditioning. A lot of that is accessory work. Uh, I do a long ground-based warm-up. Um, again, more about injury prevention than like, you know, getting huge and buff and all that stuff. Uh, but then my MMA training, that's like a two hour practice at a crack. You know what I mean? That's high level, intense, you know, physically strenuous stuff. And that's where, uh, you know, mentally I got to be really sharp, especially, uh, you know, two, three days a week I'm sparring, um, you know, how hard I'm sparring or what exactly we're doing can vary. But, uh, you know, the, it's a little bit different now in other sports. Some guys do move away from sparring as they get older. Um, you know, I, I definitely limit it outside of camps, quote unquote, for fights now. Uh, but I, you know, it's a perishable skill. You still got to do enough, you know, sharpen the sword enough to keep it uh, lethal, so to speak. But yeah, it's, it's tough, man. And I got a little one now too. So I get to be uh, Mr. Dad. I'm going to be opening up my own school pretty soon here. And I get to train for professional fist fights. So I got uh, my plates more than full right now. <laughs> Gerald, that's a, a great growth mindset that you got. You know, you're always trying to get better. And I just think of, you know, when I assess myself and I think of what I've done in years past, you know, just let's look back at the last five years. Is there a new belief or behavior or habit that you think has improved your life? Uh, definitely focusing more on the, the mental competition aspect. Because like I said, I get, you know, you run into not everybody has it right, but I definitely like suffer from the imposter syndrome thing. Like, even if I deserve something, I always kind of question myself and, and, you know, like, man, did I really do enough? And a little bit of that's good. You know what I mean? But on the same hand, I've definitely taken, you know, I've kind of let myself be a little more high on myself and like the, why not me? You know what I mean? I put in the work I've trained with guys that have been at the top and I've done fine with them. And, you know, I've been around all this success. Why can't I do it? I know the techniques. I have the physicality to do it. There's really, I'm the only one holding myself back. So why not me? You know what I mean? Like the, I had a, a pretty good bump in the road career wise, 2020. I went on a two fight skid 
which, you know, in the UFC, that can be your walking papers pretty quick. And then 2021, I turned around, I went three, you know, in a year. And, you know, I was one of the fights. I was like, uh, I think plus 700 underdog or something like that. You know, they, they like to give me pretty tough fights, but, uh, again, if I didn't believe in myself and really like not focus so much on my competition, but especially the one fight where I was a huge underdog focus on myself, what am I doing to make myself as the best I can possibly be? I'm not going to focus on the other guy's weaknesses or his strengths. I'm going to focus on my strengths. I'm going to get as strong as I can where I can. And I'm going to shore up my weaknesses to give myself the best possibility for a victorious outcome. And there's still some game planning. I still got to have an idea of what he likes to do, but that's more of a brief overview. Like, okay, this guy likes to move around, hit outside, you know, be quick. So I got to be in his face. I got to be mean. Uh, and I just gotta, you know, you know, live in the fire, like the Teddy Atlas thing, you know, we're firefighters. We live in the fire. You know, a lot of guys, they like to play tag and play cutesy type fighting. where like, Oh, I'm going to hit you and run away and not get hit. For me, the way I'm built and what I'm good at, I got to fight people. I'm going to be six inches from your face. We're going to fight in a phone booth, whether you like it or not. And I don't care if you hit me and I'm hitting you, whatever's going to happen. I'm going to be in your face the whole time. You're going to breathe my breath for 15 minutes or you're going to go unconscious and I'm going to win. One of those two things is going to be a fact of your life for the for the entire time we're in that cage. You're going to breathe my breath. I love that. <laughs> I love it. Um, so Gerald, the, the, the title of our podcast is Get Your Edge. And we always ask each one of our guests, you know, to give one tip or a get your edge advice tip for our young listeners, our coaches, things like that. If you, if you could give, you know, one tip out for, for athletes, for, for anybody, just something that can, or something that you use for yourself personally that gives you an edge, um, you know, what would it be? Uh, be consistent and have fun. You know I mean, just get in there and do the work every day. Uh, you know, don't be mindless about it. Just be like, oh, well, I showed up and that was good enough. No, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. And showing up every day, just taking little steps, you know, will definitely outweigh taking a couple big steps once in a while. You know, there's plenty of guys that I've seen shoot way ahead of me, you know, that I felt like I was better than, or maybe they peaked at a different time, you know, but it's like a firework, right? They shoot up real high, real fast, and then fizzle out real quick too. I'm still steady climbing up the mountain. You know what I mean? I've been fighting for 15 years. Uh, I'm not super old, but I'm not super young either. And in, you know, fighting, I'm like in dog years, I've got almost 40, 40, 50 fights. So that's a very uncommon thing for a lot of mixed martial artists. And I still have my health. I'm still improving my skill set, and I'm still fighting one competitively, one of the biggest organizations in the world. And I, you know, I attribute that to, like I said, I keep showing up every single day. I have a foundation and I make that foundation bigger and bigger and bigger so I can build off that body of work. You know, any sport you're in, it's a perishable skill. You don't use it, you lose it. So as soon as you think you can take a break, you know, taking a break to resets one thing, taking time off and thinking you're going to pick up right where you left off, you know, after one win is a whole other deal. So like, you know, especially kids, if you got a season, don't, don't take the summer completely off summer is a perfect time to get your body right heal up but improve on all the other stuff that you couldn't do in season so when you start the season the next year you're in a whole other space than a lot of these other guys that's blacked off in the summer and you know thought that going out doing whatever was more important than uh being true to their craft 
Hey, Gerald, I've been a high school football coach for 27 years, and my son had an opportunity. He was played on our football team at Kimberly High School, and I know um, the mama bears out there, you know, my my wife, anytime my son was going to go ahead and play a football game, you know, there's always that situation where you fear your kid's going to get injured. And, you know, they're a little more protective, and, and obviously it, it's good in a situation where you got dads trying to toughen up you know, their, their son and they understand it's a violent game and mom's just praying that nothing happens on a Friday night football game. Your situation, you're married, you got a kid now. And, uh, you know, do they do they come to your matches? And if they do, you know, how, how does that kind of work? You know, what kind of advice do you give your wife and, and things like that? Because it is brutal. Let's be honest. I mean, it, it's an all out fight. And I watch a lot of them on TV and seeing a lot of them on YouTube and, and everything else. And it, it's pretty violent. And for some, especially a lot of our female population listeners out there probably think, wow, you know, um, it's pretty brutal. So any advice? Yeah. The, the one number one thing I hear from all my wife's friends is like, I could never have my husband do that. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely different. But uh, in my case, I was doing it way before I met her. And I told her, Hey, this is a deal. I'm going to keep doing it. Um, you know, she did actually, she surprised me. My last fight was on my birthday. She showed up, talked to my manager, got back in there. Uh, one thing that she did that I really appreciated, she surprised me after the fight. So everybody's a little bit different. Everybody has a different routine, but she knows I kind of like, I'll text her and stuff while I'm getting to the locker room. But then, uh, you know, I like to talk to her fight day a lot like text back and forth or talk on the phone, whatever, to keep my mind off stuff, you know, see how my kids doing on FaceTime and all that. But then once I get my hands wrapped, I'm like, Hey, you know, I'll see you on the other side type deal. And then she knows to kind of like, leave me alone. Phone goes off. Now I'm zoned in at the task at hand. So when she came, she even like was in the bleachers right where I was walking out, ducked down to make sure I would see her. I probably wouldn't have anyway. Cause you know, I'm about to get in the fist fight with another train killer. So I'm kind of, you know, horse with blinders on at that point. But I would say if you're going to be there, like definitely have that kind of relationship with your spouse. Like I've seen some guys, they want to have their wife in the back room and that helps them. That's cool. That's not me. My wife understands that she's on my team. She has my back. She showed up there and was there for after, you know, win, lose or draw. She showed up to like be there on my birthday and see me or whatever. And she loves coming to them. Uh, but I always tell her like, Hey, I'm going to be hundred percent honest with you. At least for me, I'm not going to notice if you're there. It doesn't bother me. Like uh, it sounds mean, but I always say like, I don't care if you're there or not. As long as you support me, we love each other. That's enough. Like I'm going to be hundred percent focused on something else. Some people like that little extra encouragement, but I would say, you know, just ask the person like, Hey, you know, do you want me to be there? Does it make a difference for you? And just go off that. Don't take it personal. It's not a big deal. And, uh, you know, as, as far as going, it's maybe the younger kids definitely good to show support, but I would say, you know, it's kind of hard for me to say, right. Cause my, my kid's not nearly old enough to be in sports like that yet. So we'll see if I change my tune a couple of years down the road. But uh, one thing I will say, at least from an athlete's perspective, saying like, I'm worried about you getting hurt is not going to help anything. Right. You can have that thought. You can say that to somebody else. But I'll always give my wife a hard time for that. She's like, well, are you sure you're going to be all right? That guy looks really good. What if he punches you really hard? And I was like, I kind of knew what I was getting into when I signed up for this. <laughs> I kind of laugh it off, but that's uh, – you can have those conversations with somebody else. We'll, we'll keep it light and, like, for, let's just act like I'm going to win while I, I'm at home. 
<laughs> so Gerald, I mean, one of the words you brought up there was team, you know, you know what I mean? And like with fighting and, and mixed martial arts and boxing or anything like that, you, you kind of see when, you know, guys come to the octagon or to the ring or whatever, you know, they have their, their group of people, their team, things like that. Um, can you just share, you know, your, your thoughts on some of the coaches you've had, mentors that you've had in this? I know you've had some, some pretty good um, coaches and things like that. And, you know, there's always got to be a huge, genuine um, level of respect, right? They have to have a huge respect for you, for what you do, what you put your body through, but your respect for them, you know, because of, you know, what they're trying to help you do, you know, so could you just kind of share, you know, some of those, some of those guys with, with our listeners? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I've had the privilege. I've known a lot of really good high level athletes and high level coaches. Um, Duke Rufus would be like our main MMA striking coach. He's a, you know, four time world kickboxing champion himself. Uh, he grew up in a fighting family. He's coached me. He's coached many other world champions in both kickboxing and MMA. Um, Scott Cushman is a guy I do a lot of striking work with and he's almost, you know, if he can come to my fight, he's almost at all of them. And uh, a guy I've worked really closely with, um, you know, I've got to work with uh, Ben Askren a lot before he's helped me a lot with my grappling. Uh, right now we got our head jujitsu guys, Rafael Lovato uh, out in Oklahoma. And he's been, you know, a really big help with his style that really, really kind of feeds into what I already do uh, with the grappling stuff. There's a couple little tweaks he's given me really good in the corner uh, and I always bring a lot of my training partners too, uh, because, you know, they're the guys with me on the mat every day. They know what I like to do. Uh, they know my tendencies and my habits. They can see like the little movements I give, what I'm looking for and if I should or shouldn't do that thing. So I always make sure I include them too, not just because I need them as a partner fight week, but then when I'm in the fight, they, you know, sometimes even uh, before the coaches might, they know what I'm looking for. Cause like we're literally fighting each other all the time. So like, oh, he's about to do that little thing he's been working or like, you know, they'll they'll give a cue that I'll recognize um, that'll like kind of point me in the direction I need to go. And, you know, not just the level of respect, but the level of trust you got to have. I'm going in there and it's just me by myself, but I don't step in that octagon without all my training partners, all my teammates and trusting that they're giving me the best information they have not to make themselves look better not to like give them, you know, any kind of their own boost, but they're doing it for me to not only protect myself, but to come out the other side victorious and be successful. And I, again, I cannot do that without my training partners. I cannot do that without my coaches. Gerald, I mean, that that's just awesome that so many people have such a big influence in, you know, in just one fight, you know, all the different types of people that have helped you out. I think it's important for our high school listeners to understand because we got some high school athletes that are multi-sport athletes and you can learn from everybody. You can learn from your, your strength and conditioning coaches. You can learn from your position coaches. You can learn from different, you know, outside teams that you play on. And I think it's just a great um, example of you got to make sure you're learning from everybody that is around you to help you become your best version of yourself. Absolutely. And yeah, even to speak to that, like, uh, my strength and conditioning coach, Matt Gifford, that you guys both know, you know, he's, he's had experience working with other MMA fighters, but obviously, you know, his background is not in any kind of fighting discipline, but even just like some of the physical cues he can give me, give me insight into how, you know, the human body is supposed to move and these different things. 
can help cue me in on how I could maybe maybe do something better mechanically, you know, inside of the fighting realm. Like, okay, we're going to do this certain strength movement. It's going to be firing these different muscles. I want you to think about this physical cue, uh, you know, and, and I really, I like to look at everything more like an apprenticeship. So I'll just, all the time I'm asking them why we're doing stuff. And even just that and, uh, you know, the companionship I get from having another good coach, somebody you can confide in. And that's another thing, too, is, uh, you know, there's always going to be a little bit of a separation between coaches and athletes, especially if you're dealing with younger guys, right, because they're going to have their own little thing. But just knowing that you can go to somebody a little more experienced, has a little more knowledge and like having the comfortability to ask them something that, you know, it's not just a standoff thing where like, oh, I just tell you what to do and you listen. Like, no, this is a, the key word is relationship. Like, I, yeah, I'm here to help you and guide you. But I also like need you to give me some feedback and give me something back out of it too. Like, it can't just be a one way street. And I think, um, you know, maybe even not for a bad reason, right? There's a lot of younger guys that may like, well, I didn't know if I was supposed to speak out of line or whatever. It's like, if you're being respectful, like ask as many questions as you want. You know, I'll, if I have an answer, I'll give it to you. If I don't have an answer, I'll tell you I don't have an answer, but I'll point you in a direction that can maybe help you out. Like even the younger guys that I coach, like I'll tell them straight up, like, hey, uh, they'll be like, well, how do you get out of this certain move? I'm going to be like, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really do that move that well, so I couldn't, but I know a guy right over here who does that move, you know, really, really excellent, even in competition. I'd steer you in that direction and just having that comfort of like not shooting down every idea, but like, let's have a conversation. You know, let's let's not start it right or wrong. Let's have a conversation and we'll build off that. You know, and, and you watch, you know, I've watched uh, uh, my first share of fights as well, you know, with guys in the octagon. I mean, and they are brutal. I mean, they can get really brutal. But when the fight's done, the amount of respect that you guys have for each other is is incredible. You know, what I mean, I, 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 I watched an interview or a fight that you, you you know I think you had a you know a, a rear naked choke on the guy and he was down and you kind of put you know your hands on you know tapped him on the back and then his shoulder and I mean to to go through that type of intense mindset right well you know that guy's trying to take your head off you know what I mean or put you in a hole that could break your arm or break your leg or you know all those other things and then when the fight's done like for the most part right you have you know some outliers but the amount of respect you guys show each other. I think that that's a great lesson for a lot of athletes to, to see. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, with any, especially fighting to your point, but with any sport, uh, you know, I get an occasion, I share the octagon with a guy, you really find out what type of person they are, but, you know, any kind of physical conflict you engage with somebody um, and, you know, you'll see it see it wrestling you'll see it in football anything like that where you got to lock horns with someone you find out really quick what type of man that person is standing across from you and that you know that field that cage whatever and you know there's admiration there especially the higher level you get like i know what it takes to get there i know what i had to sacrifice and go through so you know especially if you get there and you give me a fight you know i got nothing but respect for that and like even there's even guys that i've you know Sometimes I had to sell fights before and talk a little trash back and forth. But, you know, even after, you know, there's the very few cases, I'm like, hey, man, you got in there. You gave me everything you had. You know, you can see it in someone's eyes if they just back down and give up. But at that higher level, it doesn't happen. You know, I respect that. Yeah. 
Gerald, last thing, you know, I'm a high school teacher, as I said before, what if a kid comes up and says, hey, I got an interest of maybe doing this. What area do I steer that athlete into? What advice should I give him? Or uh, I would say, you know, honestly, I would say one of the best bases for mixed martial arts is wrestling. And one of the unique things about that is not only do you get a ton of competition time, so you get that part out of the way, but, you know, having the ability to dictate where the fight goes is very important. And more importantly, uh, here in America, that's really one of the only outlets you have to, you know, you still get to do basically a combat sport and work through the school system. And you have these other accolades. You can get a degree. You can be an NCAA athlete. You still get that whole, you know, full, well-rounded things of experience. You get a lot of a lot of connections that you might not have had before you get to see some real different high level competition. So one different thing about, uh, you know, I fight a lot of guys from around the world and, you know, especially in like, uh, you know, Eastern Europe, Russia, stuff like that. They have a lot of state sponsored athletes, so they might not just be a wrestler. They could do something called uh, combat Sambo, which is basically MMA uh, or, you know, they have like a lot of boxing over there and different striking arts. We just don't have that infrastructure here, unfortunately, for combat sports. You know, we're we're way ahead of the game with like football, baseball, basketball for sure. But that's the one area we're lacking. And like, there's still good boxers that come out of the U.S., but we don't have a farm system like you know. There used to be college teams everywhere. Now it's kind of hit or miss depending on where you're at. But for sure, if you want to get a start and like, if this is something you think you want to do. If you can wrestle and go through that grueling schedule and that season and you can keep excelling and like, you know, get those accolades, you know, make sure you got your degree to fall back on all that good stuff. That'd be a good place to start. So it was just announced and, and I'm wearing my project rock beanie here. It was just <laughs> announced Dino that that project rock um, and the UFC have partnered. Um, does that, does that mean any, any free gear for you? <laughs> coming your way gerald oh, yeah yeah so every time i fight or corner somebody in the ufc um so like the fighter we get a bunch of you know all free clothes obviously like a bunch of some workout gear uh some regular oh. like athletic pants shirts hoodie all that stuff we get a separate fight kit and then we always get a pair of slides and a pair of shoes yeah. So I've got I I haven't had to buy shoes since 2016. It's been amazing. And I haven't I haven't had to buy socks and underwear either. If I didn't have to wear jeans and nice clothes once in a while, I wouldn't have to buy clothes. It's great. That's awesome. Well, you've been an awesome guest, Gerald. I, I appreciate, you know, we appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, very, very excited to release this episode. Um, for those of you that are you know curious on on some of Gerald's stuff we'll have all of his stuff in our show notes his contact information his social media and how you could follow him things like that coach how are the fox valley throws going you guys are like right in the middle of a session right now right yes fox valley throws club we're going on session four this next coming sunday and i'll also be speaking at the wisconsin track coaches association clinic and speaking on how to build a throws program at the high school level Awesome. Awesome. You can check that out. You can check that out on their Instagram page. I will be speaking at the state clinic uh, with coach Gifford. Uh, we're actually be speaking back to back um, on February 19th. So we'll be talking about the conjugate method there. Um, and then we'll be speaking at the Wisconsin state football clinic as well. And I, I, I'm not sure Giff usually speaks there. So maybe he'll be there as well. Gerald, we appreciate you coming on. 
We wish you all the best, uh, hopefully in your next fight. And we will see everybody next time. Chop it.